In today's episode, I want to talk about choosing the right equipment, doing seamless mixes, or dropping it on the one. And I want to talk about educating yourself and being a practitioner. This is Share the Knowledge. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 66 of the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs. I'm your host, DJ TLM. This is my podcast, my Q&A show. I try to answer as many questions as possible, share my 25-plus years of experience as a DJ, producer, promoter, you name it. And this is all about adding value to the DJ community and creating a community where we can all help each other. Share the knowledge is the motto, it's the slogan, it's the name of the show. And today it's going to be all about answering questions once again. I have questions that I took from IG, from Instagram. You can reach me everywhere on social. The handle is DJTLM everywhere. I do check Instagram the most. So you're most likely to have your question answered on IG. And if you're not familiar with my YouTube channel, check out youtube.com slash DJTLMTV or just go to YouTube, type in DJTLMTV. And there you can find my educational channel for DJs with over 400 videos. Now, if you're watching this on the channel, how you doing? Shout out to my uh, viewers, subscribers. And if you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe and activate notifications. All of the info and links can be found in the description box down below, so make sure you check that out as well. And last but not least, I want to send a shout-out to the sponsor of this episode, Banzoogle. So I want to start by talking about choosing the right equipment. The reason I bring this up is I think percentage-wise, maybe 50% of all of the questions I receive, it might even be more than 50%, but at least 50% of all the questions I receive have to do with people needing my help or wanting suggestions for uh, their new equipment. They have to choose their first DJ set. They want to upgrade, get a new DJ set. And it's getting kind of difficult to choose because nowadays you have so many options. Now, I partially understand because when you were living in an era where you did not have a lot of choice, you just didn't have a lot of choice. So in my days, we had the turntable and that was it. You could go with a belt drive turntable or the pro version, of course, was the direct drive turntable, the Technics SL1200. That was it. You didn't have CDJs, you didn't have controllers, so that made it pretty easy. You started out with whatever type of turntable you could find, you would start to practice with that, and when you had the chance to upgrade, you would move on to the SL1200. Now, of course, we have so many different controllers, and you have so many different turntables and DVS, then you have all sorts of media players. You just have a lot of different options, and I understand that can make it a little bit more difficult sometimes. Um, so I'm going to read a couple of these questions and then try to add some value to that. But I do want to remind a lot of you, it's going to be really hard for me to give you an answer that is specifically for you without asking more questions. Now, I'll explain that in a second. So let me start with the first one. And I have a couple different ones. So the first one right here is... I studied the options you gave me. I've already talked to this person on IG. And the NS7 III is the controller, 100%. However, for portability, 
it's pretty heavy and not recommended. Well, that's a fact. If you want to just drag your controller around everywhere or take your controller everywhere, one of these big flagship controllers like an NS7 or Pioneer's SZ or Denon's MCX8000, those are pretty big. You want to go with like a bit more of a compact controller. I understand. Uh, so... I was looking at Roland's DJ808 and DJ505. I fell in love with the 505, but the jog wheel has no visual indication on or around the jog wheel. I believe the 808 does. I just think the 808 is overkill as I don't need a four channel. Please help. Your opinion means a lot. All right. Not answering it yet. Moving on to the next question first. Same topic. All right. So here we go. This is from Australia. Really love the podcast and YouTube channel. Salute. Always good to hear that. I wanted to ask, is a controller a good way to start? Uh, I used to bedroom DJ in my younger days, but I've decided to give it a go since I've moved to, to Australia. And all the friends I made here are all DJs around my city. So now I want to give it another go. So is a controller a good way to go? Which one should I get? Not answering it yet. Moving on to the next question. You get where I'm going with this, right? All right, let's see. All right, we have one more right here. I haven't touched my DJ controller or software in about a year, but would you recommend any Numark NS7 as a middle ground for a DJ wanting to feel a vinyl without buying turntables, a mixer, vinyl, and software? All right, so three questions, three similar questions, and in my case, this is what I see a lot. People either have no idea what to get yet or they're deciding between a couple of different controllers um, or they have a more specific question. But in most cases, they tell me options and then ask me what my suggestion would be. So let's break it down first. And this is a way to answer most of these questions. You need to figure out a couple of things. First off, you need to know what your budget is going to be. And if this is going to be your first controller, first DJ device, you don't want to overspend because a lot of times you might feel that DJing is something you want to do, uh, but it might end up just being a hobby that you do every once in a while. If that's the case, you don't want to spend too much money. I've seen people buy entire DJ sets spending like a thousand or thousands and then needing to put them up on eBay like two months later and you don't get the money that you paid for it, you're gonna get less. So that's not worth it. If you buy your first car, most likely you're not buying the most expensive car out there. You're gonna start with something cheaper and simple so you can actually gain some more experience before you eventually may upgrade to a better, more expensive car. So, one question was about mobility, portability, like the NS7 is, is a little bit too big. Looking at the Roland 808 and 505, really loving the 505, but it doesn't have the visual indicator. If you know that you prefer to have a controller that has the visual indicator, so either it has a jog wheel with a display in there that has like the moving little stripe, that's your visual indicator, or certain controllers will have that light on the outside of the jog wheel. If this is something that you prefer, and I'm definitely somebody who needs that. If I don't have moving platters so I can put a sticker on it, 
and I'm using a controller that does not move, I want to have some sort of visual indicator that shows me where the track is. I need that for my turntablism, for scratches. I just love to have that. If you already know that this is something that's important for you, then you can scrap all of the controllers that don't have that. Simple as that. That's going to take out a bunch of controllers, and there's going to be a lot of controllers that will still be in the race because they do have that. Um, now, in your case, the 505 doesn't have it. You believe the 808 does. Just off the top of the head, I can't really tell you. I don't know if the 808 has it, but you already just explained like that 808 is a bit overkill. It has four channels. That's something you don't need. If you know for a fact that you don't need four channels, that you never use four channels, then that is something you can basically skip. If you eliminate that, then that leaves you with two channel controllers with the visual indicator. That's going to narrow it down. Now, if you also have a preferred software, it's going to narrow it down even more because certain controllers are going to be for Serato, certain are going to be for Tractor, certain are going to be for Rekordbox. So if you have software that you prefer to use, that's going to make your choice a little bit easier once again. All of those things help. And if I wanted to give you a specific answer, I would have to ask you a lot of these questions. Are you looking for this? Do you need that? Do you want that? Which software? You name it. Now, of course, I never do that. So I don't go into these back and forth through email or on IG because that's going to just take up too much time. That's like a full-on consultation. So that's not what I'm doing right now. And if I would ever start to do that, I would actually have to charge for that because that's really going to take a chunk of my time to give everyone, like I said, like special consultation. So those things alone should help you to narrow it down budget and knowing what you actually need and things you really don't need. If you take that into consideration, including which software you're going to use, that should narrow it down to, well, at least a lot less options when it comes to the controllers out there. Now, the same thing with someone looking for something that has the uh, feel of vinyl without buying turntables or a mixer. If you know that you want to have a controller that has that turntable feel, that's something that's perfect to know because that's going to really narrow it down. It's going to eliminate all of the controllers that do not have moving platters. In this case, that leaves you with a short list, but in recent times, the list did become a little bit bigger. So already the herefore mentioned NS7 and NS7 2 and 3, those were controllers with moving platters. Then you had the standalone units, the V7 also by Numark, they have that. You have a couple of older, like really older devices. I don't think I would recommend those, but you have a couple. And then if you look at the newer devices, you have the Rain 12. They're more expensive, but those have moving platters. You have the Denon SE5000. M version, so that also has the smaller moving platter, more like an NS7 size. And for instance, if you're watching the video right now, now you also have this right here. That's the new S4 by Native Instruments, which also has moving platters. Um, if you know that, it narrows your choices down. Then you have to figure out Am I okay with a controller that has a smaller moving jog wheel or do I want to have the real deal vinyl feel with a 12-inch? If you need a 12-inch, then you're going to end up with the Rain 12. 
if a smaller controller, smaller jog wheel is fine, then you have more choices. And then you should do a comparison to see what can I get on the S4. Do I want to use tractor? If the answer is no, then there's no S4. If the answer is yes, then there's basically only the S4 you want to go for. And if it's a Serato, you have a couple of options. So that should narrow it down for you. And I agree that if you want to have turntable feel, but you don't want to get like that full set with players and everything, one of those controllers will be your best option. So that's what you guys and girls need to start doing is make that list. What's your budget? What is it that you absolutely need to have on your device, players, whatever it is you want to um, buy? And what are features that I actually totally don't need? Does it need to be mobile? Then all of the big controllers are out. Uh, do I want to have something that feels more like a club set? Then you want to have something that's a little bit bigger. All of those things will help you when it comes to deciding. All right, there was one more thing, one more question. Which one am I forgetting now? Um... Where is it? Where is it? That was the one from Australia. So this question was basically, and this is the question I received like a lot of times, like I want to get something, a controller, which one should I get? You got to think of all the things I just talked about. And once you do that, you just take a look at one of the bigger audio, uh, um, audio sites. I mean like audio stores where they sell the controllers, um, look online, and then you can start to compare. Uh, you can probably find some lists with like uh, best controllers 2018, then you see the newer versions. Um, but just realize if it's your first controller, you wanna go for something that's a little bit more entry level. Don't go for something that costs you like a thousand bucks. Go for something that's gonna cost you like a couple of hundred because you have some nice options for that price already and uh, start there. So if you're on a tight budget, you're gonna, all of those high tech big controllers with all of these features, they're gonna be out for now. Uh, that's up to you, but this is why you can't just ask me which one you should buy. So I hope you understand what I'm talking about. And I'll talk about this for years to come, like I've done for years in the past, because I know I'll receive 10 more questions like this in the coming days already. But that's fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. But just realize most of the time you're not going to get the answer that you're probably looking for. All right, now I saw another question, and this question is from a young DJ, and this is a young DJ who wants to find ways to be more respected. And let's just go to that story real quick. So uh, first off, thanks for inspiring me to save up for Technics and the S9. Love it, and I'm never looking back. I can imagine. That's a dope set. So here's my question. I'm a young DJ, 19, but I've already played a lot of local clubs in my area, and I've just gotten my first residency. However, as far as private bookings go, I feel they slow down, and I feel this is partly due to my age and being so young. That's the same thing. Um, so I was wondering, what are some ways to be taken more seriously as a young DJ? I have good equipment, I'm very professional. Just what are some ways to get a little more respect and look more legit as a young DJ. Love the podcast. Thanks in advance. Uh, salute to you. Look, to be honest, I don't think you should be focusing too much on being more uh, respected or taken more seriously as a young DJ. First off, 
we don't know if the reason some of these private bookings slow down is because of your age. Maybe you have more information that people are actually telling you that they're not booking you because you're young. But in my opinion, 19 isn't even uh, that young. Now, I don't know how it is um, where you are, but over here at 18, you're considered an adult. You're allowed to vote, drink, you name it. So it's not like you're a 15, 16-year-old kid. And I know plenty of DJs out here that are like close to their 20s that are playing all over. No one's really looking at their age. So I don't know if it is actually your age that is the problem. Now, should we even call it a problem? Because like you already mentioned, you've played a lot of local clubs in your area and you just scored your first residency. So looking at that, you're doing better than a lot of DJs or wannabe DJs that are the same age you are. They're still dreaming about their first club gig. You already did plenty of gigs and you have your first residency. So as far as I can tell, you're doing things right because otherwise you're not getting that residency and doing those gigs. So you should continue to do what you do. If you feel that you want to get your name or reputation more out there, I don't know how, uh, how much you're doing right now on social media. You can try to get more footage out there so people can actually see and hear what it is that you do. That's going to give you a bit more of a presence and just, just be even more active on social media if you're not doing that right now so people hear your name and see and hear what you do. But to be honest, I can't tell if it's really going that bad for you. I mean, if you're interested in getting more uh, private bookings like you say, I'm not even really sure what the private bookings means, if that means uh, uh, bookings outside of clubs. So maybe you want to elaborate on that uh, later on on IG. Um, but I think you should just continue to do what you do and maybe do more promotion to promote yourself and not just by telling everyone you're a DJ, but by releasing more content. So make sure every time you do have a gig and if you have a residency, you're going to have steady gigs, make sure that you shoot footage, video, audio, and uh, uh, pictures so you can post that everywhere and continue to network with the people that are there. Now, you've already played at a lot of the local clubs, so I don't know how your connections are with that club, but you can always make sure you have a, a good communication with those promoters as well so they can book you more often maybe. But I don't know, man. You're 19. You got your residency. You're playing at a lot of local clubs. That's not bad. You can try to do more to get your name out there, but I would not focus too much on being taken seriously. Like you said, you are professional. You do a good job. Just continue to do that, and people will respect that. All right, so next up is a question about mixing options. And the question is, I'm trying to better my playing skills. I'm into dancehall, dub reggae, soca as a DJ. What should I practice more, seamless mixing or drops? I'm from the Caribbean. Or what should a DJ practice more uh, regarding to mixing? So here's the thing, and I'm not a dancehall DJ or soca DJ, so... I'm no expert when it comes to those styles of music, but the fact is with certain genres, it makes less sense to do a lot of seamless mixing, and especially if the energy calls for it, a lot of times dropping it on the one can be a better solution. 
but I would always make sure that I'm practicing both. Now, with certain genres, it's 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 most likely that you're not going to do a lot of like seamless mixing, but you should have the skill to be able to do seamless transitions. So practice both. That's my best answer when it comes to that. And if you're from the Caribbean and you're playing that music, you most likely go to a lot of parties where they play that music. So what is the most common way to do it? Are most of the other DJs doing seamless mixing or are they doing more dropping it on the one? That is your answer already to let you know like, okay, this is what's more common for this style. And then you can make sure that you're strong at that. But I would just practice both. You want to be able to beat match, mix, and drop it on the one in a clean way. And if you master both, it's going to give you the option to choose what will be better in certain situations with certain music you want to do more mixing and in other times it's more about dropping i know that a lot of times if i'm the warm-up dj i'm talking hip-hop r&b i'm doing a lot of mixing i'm mixing like basically every song transitions long transitions if possible Uh, sometimes i'll loop it up mix longer whatever but as soon as the energy goes up and I get to that hype part of the evening and I'm dropping a lot of bangers, trust me, it's going to be less mixing and I'll be dropping more. I'll still blend here and there, but a lot of times you got people singing along, you're taking faders down the whole time. A blend doesn't even make a lot of sense. You want to have them sing along, take that fader down, bring that new track in on the one, keep that energy going like that. Um, So for me, that works very well. And uh, other times I'll uh, refer back to doing more mixes when the time calls for it, depending on what styles of music I'm playing. Uh, So that's it. Make sure you know what's common and what most DJs would do, what's more uh, accepted by the crowd, because certain people don't like certain styles. Same with like certain Latin styles. Those people come to really dance to that music and they're expecting the DJ to play that music in a certain fashion, and you don't just want to totally switch that up and do something else that's going to have the whole crowd shocked, like, what are you doing? We can't dance like this. So that's a little bit of research that you have to add to that. But practice both. That's the final answer. Bazoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Bazoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Bazoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website, and that was very easy. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. All right, I want to go into a question real quick about something that I've rarely done. And um, let me go to the question first. So, this is from someone who just bought the S9 with the PLX 1000. That's a dope set. All right. The question is now, do I need control vinyl and do I need to calibrate the tone arm and needle before I start the scratch? All right. So first off, if you're going to use it as DVS, as a digital vinyl system with software, then yes, you're going to need control vinyl. But you can have PLX 1000s and the S9 and just play normal vinyl. So you don't need control vinyl to start playing with that. But if you're going to use it with Serato, if you have the S9, um, 
control vinyl is what you need for Serato in that case. Um, now, do you need to calibrate the tone arm and needle before you start to scratch? Well, you don't need to. You can just take a turntable straight out the box and start scratching, but it might not go as well, depending on how the tone arm and needle are set up once you get it out the box. So calibrating and setting it up uh, can help to make everything more steady. But here's what I mean by I never really did that. During most of my time with turntables, I had the most basic knowledge when it came to the tone arm and needle. All I knew is, especially in the vinyl days, so when I had to deal with skipping records, the only thing I really cared about is was to make sure that there was enough pressure, enough weight on that needle part, um, so the cartridge and the needle, to make sure that it would stay on the record. So I would adjust the weight on the back end of the tone arm to make sure that uh, the, the needle would go down as much as possible, close to the record. And um, that was basically what I would do. Later on, I started to experiment a little bit more with actually moving the whole tone arm a little bit more up or down to, um, to get even better results with scratching. And I had no knowledge of what the right way to do it was. The only thing I knew is, all right, I'm moving it back and forth now, and it's skipping. Let me change the weight. All right, it's a little bit more steady, but it's still skipping. Let me now see what happens if I move the tone arm, the whole tone arm, more up or down. Is that helping? Yes, or no, and then I change it. That was all that I knew, and that was how I would go about it. Now, when I was using older needles that weren't that steady yet, I used to even put coins on top of my cartridge to have them more heavy. Now, later on, I didn't need to do that anymore when we got like the, the M447, and after that, some of the Ortofons, I never needed to do something like that, but before, I used to do that. Same with that little dial, the anti-skating dial, anti-skate dial that's on there. I never knew how to set that right. And I played around with that a little bit. Didn't notice a lot of difference when I had it to zero or three. Um, so when it comes to that, I can be pretty, like, I don't know if I should call it lazy, but I would just have it. If it was working, I was fine. If it wasn't working, then I would start to turn the dials, uh, uh, switch the weights, and do stuff like that. So... You don't need to calibrate before you start, but if it's not steady or if things don't feel right, and then you can adjust. Now, if you want to find the right way to calibrate, just look online because there are some tutorials online that tell you how you can exactly calibrate. You even have apps out now that allow you to put your phone on the turntable, um, press play, and then it's going to see if it's aligned the right way. You have all sorts of things you can check and test, but I've always been someone who would get equipment not even look at manuals and just start to use it and explore myself. And sometimes I would never even look at a manual. Now, that's not always a good thing because sometimes someone can come up to you and uh, can come up to you and tell you something about your own device that you never knew and you've had it for a couple of years. And they're like, oh, you don't use that. And then they switch a button and all of a sudden something happens. And you're like, I didn't know that, but I never looked at the manual. So sometimes it's very useful to actually check out a manual. I'll definitely say that. But anyways, just check out a couple of those videos if you want to calibrate them, get them right. But beyond that, uh, you should be fine. Now, also with vinyl, just make sure that the vinyl itself is okay. 
Um, so if the hole in the middle is a little bit too big and you have a lot of uh, extra space there, then the record's going to move a lot. That's going to not help you to keep it steady. So you want to make that hole a little bit smaller. You can find videos about that online as well. Um, maybe I'll do some of those videos just to show you some of those old school techniques that we applied to make our vinyl more steady and make our needle more steady. But a lot of times with today's DJ software, you don't need to do all of that. Um, yeah, that's basically all I can tell you about that. Now, there was a second part of that question, and that was um, if I had any troubles with the PLX-1000. Well, I haven't. And what is the standard DJ turntable nowadays? I don't think there is a real standard. A lot of clubs will still have their old SL-1200s, but you have a lot of different turntables out now that are just quality. The PLX-1000, the VL-12, uh, Reloop has a couple of ones, the 7000 Mark II, and there's definitely more turntables out there that will get the job done very well. Um, so... The standard for clubs will probably still be the Technics. Most rental companies will still have the Technics, but all of the other ones will work great. J just to add to that, uh, I don't think you should be too worried about what the standard is. Just know that there is a lot of quality turntables out there. I mean, for a long time, the Technics SL1200 was the standard. Then you had a couple of brands that actually came along with very good turntables. Vestax, of course. Uh, Stanton had a couple of really good turntables as well, but still the Technics SL1200 remain to have that classic status. And for a lot of clubs, that was still just the turntables that they had. Also because a lot of clubs did not invest in newer turntables because they had less DJs coming in asking for turntables. And a lot of turntablists probably were bringing their own turntables anyway. So that's why the, the SL still have that name. But a lot of the newer turntables are equally good or in some ways a lot better. If you look at like a PLX-1000 or a VL-12 or a couple of the others, um, the fact that they all have the RCA cables that can just be removed and that the power cord, uh, power cable can be removed, that's uh, improvement. My old, Some of my Vestax or old Newmark turntables like my TTX, love those turntables, uh, had that as well. And whenever something would happen to a cable, you just take it out, you grab another cable. While with my Technics, I would always have to get that whole turntable fixed because you couldn't do that yourself. They have to open up that entire turntable if there's anything wrong with the wiring. Uh, so in a lot of ways, the newer turntables have a couple of advantages to them. Uh, as far as build quality goes, you have a couple of tanks out there that are really steady. So I would not worry. You have good turntables right now with those PLX 1000s and... Um, if you, no, I never had trouble with the ones that I tested, but I have to be honest, I don't have PLX-1000, so it's not like I gave them the same run that I gave some of my other turntables. I spent a lot of time on Vestax turntables. I still have my Technics, but I had a lot of time with the PDX-2000 and also quite a lot of time with the PDX-3000, but the 2000s, I toured with those for a couple of years, and I went through a couple of pairs so they took a beating, and they did not take a beating as well as some of the Technics did. Um, but I definitely put them through hell. They went through a lot. But I was real content working with those. Like I said, the Newmark TTX, I had those. Perfect. Like, they, they really got the job done well. And 
It's not like I missed the SLs when I use some of those turntables. I still have a couple because they're just classic to, classic to me, and I grew up with those. So I just love the fact that I have some, but I wouldn't even say that those are the best turntables you can get. There's so many others that are just as good or better. So standard, no, you just have a couple of like top-level turntables. And below that, you have a lot of these uh, OEM turntables that basically have a good direct drive motor. And if they have like a nice tone arm and and um, normal features, then they can be used just as well. So don't worry about that. So there's one more thing that I really wanted to share, just talk about. It's DJ related, but I think this um, applies to a lot of different situations, not just to something that a DJ deals with, and that is being a practitioner and not just doing research, but also educating yourself. Now, when I say educating yourself, I'm not just talking about finding out a couple of things about like new equipment or stuff like that. In a way, that is educating yourself, but that's also just doing a little bit of research. When I say educating yourself, I'm talking about a lot of situations that I've run in through uh, over the years because I'm doing everything solo. A lot of times you run into situations where certain things need to be done that I haven't done before. Now, thanks to the age that we live in, there's a lot of information available, and I'll go out, I'll research and find the information, and then I'll educate myself by actually teaching myself how to do those things. Now, I've done that with video editing because... I started out myself, I had uh, some software that I was using, and I found out how to use it just by testing it and working with it, not checking a manual. Like I said, that's what I do a lot of times. So I was using uh, software by Sony, Sony Vegas, and that, that worked really well. Uh, then I switched to a different computer and I couldn't use Vegas anymore, and then I switched to Adobe Premiere, which definitely worked a little bit different, so I had to educate myself on how to use that. So I went, I found all the tutorials, started to work with it, and taught myself how to use it. Did the same thing with uh, After Effects. Now, Photoshop, I already knew how to use that because years before that, when I was organizing parties with another DJ, we would do our own flyers, and we did not have a designer. So I had to learn how to use Photoshop. Now, back then... I didn't have tutorials online, so I basically just had the software and had to figure it out and sometimes talk to people who were using it and they would share some tips as well. Uh, made a lot of flyers. A lot of those flyers were freaking horrible, but that doesn't matter because it did teach me how to use it. And by actually being a practitioner, someone who actually tried it and used it, I gained some knowledge and also have an opinion that's actually based on real experience, which is important because a lot of people have opinions about things that they haven't really tested themselves, uh, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, the good thing about educating yourself and knowing how something works is even if you find someone else to do it for you, you understand what the job is that they have to do, which allows you to also be able to judge if they're doing their job right. If you have no idea how something works, people can tell you whatever, and you're just going to have to assume that they're telling you what it is. Um, now, this doesn't stop. 
I continue to learn. I continue to educate myself. We move on into new eras where things are different. Now we have a lot of options, a lot of ways that we can not just promote ourselves using audio, video, um, and the internet like I'm doing right now. I'm using the internet to spread a word, in this case, share my knowledge. Um, But all of these things do require that you educate yourself and learn new stuff. I didn't know a lot about cameras. I've used some cameras here and there, recorded a couple of videos, but I had to teach myself, educate myself. Okay, what is it that I exactly need? How does this work? What do I have to uh, keep in mind when I'm recording? Uh, All right, what else do I need to improve my videos? Because I've been making videos for a while now. All right, how does that work? Okay, now if I combine this and that, I get better audio with better video. Um, How about lights? If you get better lights, then it'll look a little bit better. Um, So you're constantly educating yourself on different things. And in my case, I expanded what I did as a DJ into becoming a content creator who creates a lot of DJ-related content. Um, And the fact that I've taught myself how to do all this stuff, first of all, it allows me to be able to do this for you and create all this content. Um, But at the same time, it allows me to put things into perspective because I understand how things work, how much work goes into this and that. And when I start to do more outsourcing, which I eventually need to start doing. So for instance, I will shoot my own videos, but I'll probably have people do some of the editing because that's really needed right now. I have like eight videos still that need to be edited. Videos that could have been out to you already, but they haven't been put out yet because I haven't been able to finish the edits. Um, But if I have no clue how that works, then I'll hire someone, maybe pay them too much money because they're doing something that was way more simple than they let me to believe. Now I know how to edit so people can't fool me. I understand how it works. I also understand how to communicate what I want because I know how it works. Um, And it's like that with a lot of things. Recording mixtapes, I taught myself what the best way was to do that, how to get the best quality, how to connect everything. Um, And you need to continue to educate yourself because every time there's new equipment and new software that comes out, new ways you can make things work. Now, this rant can go on for hours. Not going to do that, I think. But I just constantly catch myself spending a lot of time on educating myself on things I had no idea I needed to educate myself on. But that's because we're living in an era where there's so much new stuff coming all the time. You have new ways to uh, create content. Cool. But now you have to learn how to do this and that, how to do a podcast, how to do the videos, um, uh, how to make intros, you name it. Now, I'm in the process of um, creating a place where I can sell Uh, some merch, some merchandise, different types uh, of T-shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, Been wanting to do that for a while. Um, There's different ways to do that. Now, then you have to start looking at how am I going to make this? There's different ways to do that. Then how am I going to sell this? There's different ways to do that. I have to start changing things about my website if I want to make that work. Now, I did my website myself as well. Also, takes a lot of education right there. Unless you use uh, today's sponsor, Banzoogle, they have a service that will make it easy for you to create a website. But before Banzoogle, I was already using WordPress as soon as that came out to see how that works because that made it a lot easier 
to actually create your own website. Uh, but now that I ha- want to do a, a store as well on the site, I have to make sure that that works well with the site. Then I found out that my site is being labeled as not secure when I opened it in Chrome, uh, which shocked me for a second because that's not a good thing. If you want to start selling stuff on your site, you don't want to have that. So then you have to start figuring out, okay, why is that there? Then I saw that my SSL certificate was not there. I had to find out how I could get that implemented to the site. Now everything's safe. Um, But I find there's so much stuff that you can learn and a lot of stuff that I actually want to learn and able to know how to do it and how things work. And I know all of the things that I'm doing now help me to prepare for whatever is next to come because this is not going to slow down. There's only going to be more uh, developments, more uh, uh, tech, more options. And if you don't stay within the field and stay up to date now, you're going to have a lot of trouble in a couple of years because you're going to have no clue of what's going on because there's so much out there and so much is uh, that, that's on its way as well. Um, if you look at the things that we're going to be doing with voice in the future, uh, I was talking about this in an interview I did a couple of weeks ago for Ryan Holt's podcast. Um, it's not out yet, I think. I'll link it on my site as soon as that is out. Um, but I was already talking to him about that I'm looking into how I'm going to create my own Alexa skills uh, to have those out there and have some DJTL MTV flash briefings. Now, maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, uh, but that is something that's out there. Uh, if you want to know more about that, just look up um, um, Amazon and flash briefings uh, and skills for Alexa. But um, all of those things are things that you should be aware of, especially if you want to find more ways to uh, uh, create a place for yourself in this digital landscape. I think it's really important to be up, just up the par about what's going on, be be up to speed about what's going on. I see way too many people that are still complaining about that they don't like the fact that you have social media now and oh, I'm not on all the platforms. But that's that's baby steps right there, just having your, your accounts on social media. I'm taking it like way beyond that because it is way beyond that. So, you know what? I have to stop right now because this is no longer DJ related. This is just about everything. But it is something that is on my mind and I wanted to speak about it for a second because it does take up a lot of my time besides the time that I'm spending on actually being a family man and creating content and finding time to edit and you name it. I just catch myself needing to also spend a lot of time to learn about more of these other things that are going on And I want to because there's so many opportunities out there today to be able to do stuff on your own. And I'm just happy to be in a place where, yes, I'm spending a lot of time on a lot of things all related to the same thing. And that is the thing that I love. And we live in an era where you can actually pick the thing that you love and spend all your time doing that to make a living. And I feel blessed to live in that era and to be in that situation. So, uh My apologies to all the DJs listening. This was not DJ related, but I hope you understand where I'm coming from. And I hope you also understand the importance of trying to educate yourself on what's going on and new things. Even if we're just sticking to the DJ side of things, how can you create content for yourself if you're a DJ? What steps can you take to do 
uh, to get yourself out there. If you're a beginning DJ, you can do a mix podcast from your home. And no, you don't do it on Facebook anymore if they're taking your mixes down. But then you find other outlets, be it uh, a Periscope or or something like uh, if, if, if Wirecast or Ustream are still available. I don't know. But there's multiple options if you want to have video if you just want to do audio, there's also ways. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to educate yourself on the best ways to record that and to distribute that. And then after that, to promote that. Um, so, yeah, there, 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 there's a lot to it. I'm excited. I'm learning new stuff every day. I see that as a plus, the fact that there is new stuff to learn. Um, and I'm also doing it because I want to eventually be in a position where I can also give more advice when it comes to things like that, that are semi-related to DJing, but more related to just being an overall uh, entrepreneur, trying things. And um, so I'll continue to educate myself. That's for sure. Uh, Look, that's where I'm going to end episode 66 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, DJ TLM. Check me out on djtlm.com. Make sure you check the website, uh, the the YouTube channel. My apologies. The YouTube channel, DJ TLM TV. Follow me on social everywhere. The handle is DJ TLM. If you subscribe on YouTube, make sure you activate notifications. Very important. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on the content that's being released because just being subscribed is not enough anymore. And hopefully I will be able to deliver a lot of video content very soon. I have to record a lot of videos this week for clients. And then it's just back to editing, 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 editing. So I can get all the videos out to you. Not even to begin to talk about all of the equipment I have here right now that I have to review. So stay tuned for all of the things to come. And uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. Peace.